Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, where we bring you the most in-depth look into the property management industry. We discuss hot topics with property managers, vendors, and those that support the property management industry. The National Association of Residential Property Managers is the recognized leader in property management. Our host is Pete Newbig, co-founder of Empire Industries Property Management and co-founder and CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. Now, here's your host, Pete Newbig. Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, and thank you for joining us today. However you may be listening, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or through any of the podcast platforms, thank you for being here. I'm your host, Pete Newbig, and today we have one of my favorite people on the show, Brad Larson, owner-broker of RentWorks Property Management in San Antonio. Brad is a mentor, colleague, and a personal friend, so I'm glad to have Brad on. So for those of you who do not know who Brad is, he is the broker owner of RentWorks. They manage 900 plus single family homes with 20 plus staff members in San Antonio, Texas. Brad has been a NARPM member since 2014, as well as a presenter, speaker, and exhibitor at NARPM conferences. In 2017, Brad started the Property Management Mastermind podcast He also created the Property Management Mastermind Facebook group. He started the BizDev Mastermind Consulting Service and started the Property Management Mastermind Conference. He's been busy since since 2017. What have you been doing? (laughs) Uh, Makes me feel like a lazy lima bean, got to be honest with you. He also served as a NARPM Accounting Standards Committee Chair in 2018 and has most recently been accepted as a NARPM Certified Instructor. So I'm looking forward to speaking to Brad here in a few minutes. But before that, let's get to our hot topic. Let's go to our hot topic. So the VCs are coming. The VCs are coming. The VCs are coming. Right? So uh, that's the big the big deal that's been going on the last year or so that the venture capitalist private equity firms are invading our space. And, you know, I, uh, I have a good, I have an uncle of mine, my favorite uncle, Uncle Bill. And Uncle Bill, he is in the food distributor space. So food distribution, believe it or not, is very similar to the property management space. There are a lot of what we call mom and pop operators, but there are some really big companies, right? Most people might know Cisco Food Systems, S-Y-S-C-O, Cisco Food Systems. They're international. And there's Benny Keith and Gordon, and there's all sorts of these big conglomerate venture-backed firms that do exactly what some of the VCs that are going into our space have been doing and then basically buying up smaller firms to, you know, increase their footprint. So I called my uncle when this was starting to happen. I said, Uncle Bill, I said, what do you think is going to happen in our industry? So what has happened in your industry that you might be able to give us a crystal ball look in the future? I said, is there room for the, the guy managing 200 to 1,000 doors. And my uncle's like, he's like, Pete, there will always be room for the mom and pop operators. He's like, no matter how many big venture capitalist firms come in and, they, and they'll buy you, and that's great because now you have somebody who may want to buy your business, and the more venture capitalists that come in will, will, will actually increase the value of your business. He goes, but overall, the space has plenty of room for the big guys and for for the smaller firms. And I said, Uncle Bill, that's really interesting. I said, so VC getting into our space could be a good thing? And he said, well, yeah, it could be a good thing. He goes, absolutely. He goes, well, for one, it could increase the value of your business. And of course, if you look are looking to exit, that's just one more option. Of course, you have your local operator that you know and love that you probably met at NARPM that they're probably going to maybe purchase you, but it gives you another option. But secondly, he says it brings more awareness, right? So for his industry, it brought more awareness. You know, more and more people knew about food distribution. They didn't have to go. Now, their industry is a little different than ours. Most people use food distributor companies, not self-distributing. Uh, although there are a handful that do that. 
But if you think about it, what's the, uh, it was about 30%, I think, of, of people are using management companies. So imagine if these big dollars roll in with these venture capital firms and they are educating the, uh, the public, you know, John Q. Public, about property management. Well, they may move that needle from 30% to maybe 40% or 30, 35, 40%, which means that we would get more clients. In my market in Houston, there was a, there was a competitor of ours that was doing a lot of radio commercials. And at first I was like, man, you know, they're going to get all this business. They're doing all the radio commercials and we couldn't even get on the radio and we didn't really have the funds to do it. And they had locked up all the major radio stations regardless. But a funny thing happened was that by them having the radio show, they were gen they were basically informing the public about management companies. And what happened was Empire, my company, ended up getting more leads and more phone calls because as people were listening to the commercial, they would start, you know, doing their research and start, you know, researching and, and Googling on the internet and guess who would come up, right? Some of our other, some of their competitors. And so they didn't win all the business that they got leads for. Matter of fact, a lot of us in the Houston market benefited and got clients that we may not have ever gotten because they brought awareness. And I think that's the same thing that could happen or is going to happen with the venture capitalists. They're gonna bring more awareness, more people are gonna to wanna to use our services. And so it makes the pot bigger. And then I believe that the small operator, the local mom and pop, as we call them, has a lot of advantages over a VC-backed company. For one, we identify ourselves as a property management firm. And I can tell you the VCs identify themselves as real estate tech or prop tech. So they don't really identify themselves as property management firms. So that's the major one, right? Because once your mindset is, is looking at one way and looking at a different way, you can offer better services and you can actually do a better job overall. Second is, they still need local market expertise. Who better than you, who's the owner-operator of a property management firm for many years, has more local expertise? And it's all about, this, this business is, a lot, is, a, is all about relationship building. As a smaller operator, and if we build our, if we build our infrastructure correctly, you can build better, longer-lasting relationships where you're not going to lose clients, and they're going to bring you more clients. And as you bring on more clients, you can build a better relationship than some of the VC companies. And if you're not giving great service now, this is the opportunity to start giving better service because you can give much better service than a VC company who's just worried about growth. If you, are, if you ever had a growing company, you know that growth brings on a lot of chaos and chaos means that you're going to have a lot of churn. And so VC companies are growing at an exponentially larger growth rate than you or I could ever have. And so that is going to cause a lot of chaos on the back end, which means that people who want their property managed might not be so happy with the VC as they're getting their stuff in order, shall we say. And that gives us more opportunity. And we're just playing a different game. We're playing a game of service. We're playing a game of keeping our clients. We're playing a game of profitability. We're playing a game of you know, give, having great team and, and making sure the team is, is happy. And the VCs are playing a different game. They're just, they're playing a growth game. Because at the end of the day, they have investors that they have to make sure are happy. And they are, they're looking for an end. And their end, unlike ours, is to get as much, you know, get as much market share and then package it and then either go public or, or resell. So that's why I don't believe that as an industry and as a local quote-unquote mom and pop has any worry. Now, I know, for those of you who know, I actually sold my business to a venture capital-backed firm, Mind Management, back in 2019. So having this come from me is, is probably pretty funny. That is, that is the truth. And I never sold because I thought we were you know, going to be put out to pasture. Um, I sold for different reasons, and maybe one day we have that as a hot topic. But anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get to my, my buddy, Brad Larson. Have you ever considered hiring a property management virtual assistant, but didn't know where to start? Or have you tried hiring a virtual assistant, but you weren't satisfied with the number of qualified applicants? If so, VPM Solutions is here to help. 
VPF is the world's first virtual talent marketplace dedicated specifically to property management and real estate. We have thousands of talented virtual assistants ready to work for you, including assistance for accounting, leasing, maintenance coordination, rent collections, and much more. With VPM, you can post jobs, screen candidates, hire and pay your virtual assistants, all from within our state-of-the-art platform. VPM is the easy button for hiring and managing your virtual team. And the best part? VPM Solutions is 100% free to employers. That's right, free. No placement fees, no employer markups, and no hidden charges. With VPM, property managers get the talent they need while reducing costs and improving customer service. Visit vpmsolutions.com and create your free account today. Create the best move-in experience for your resident or homeowner. Citizen Home Solutions is a utility concierge service designed to assist with services needing activation prior to moving into a new home. Our experienced team will help eliminate the stress of setting up services. No more calling a long list of service providers to get everything connected and ready for move-in day. Your client will value the white glove service provided on your behalf. True, Citizen Home Solutions assist with utilities, but more importantly, we create an experience that your client will appreciate and love. Our service is free and offers you a revenue share program. Want to know more? Visit pmcpartner.com. Welcome back, everybody. And as promised, I got my good buddy, mentor, colleague, friend, Brad Larson here. So Brad, thank you so much for being on the NARPM podcast. Appreciate you having me here, Pete. Glad to be alive and kicking. <laughs> so Brad, you are one of the industry's thought leaders. You created the Property Management Mastermind podcast, Facebook group, and conference. We're now just starting out in 2022. In your opinion, what are some of the challenges you see facing our industry this year and the next couple of years? Lots to talk about there. So in the green room, you and I were just talking about my little rants about trying to buy vehicles, which is absolutely maddening. So we're trying to update the fleet from Managers Rekey, which is our ingrown vendor that, that services our own properties. So I'm trying to trade in two Mercedes-Benz vans and trying to buy anything. I want to buy three vans and I can't find one right now. So I know this has nothing to do with the property management industry per se, but it does have to do with us providing a good service. And if our vans are broken, well, it's going to be tougher for us to, to provide that service. So that's going to be a challenge for 2022. And a lot of other property managers might be experiencing the same thing. If not, their vendors are experiencing the same thing because they're just, there's just nothing available for vehicles to help us in our service industry. So that's a frustration point. The other challenge there is we have iBuyers coming in, right? They're always been there, but we're seeing more and more awareness of this being such a good market to invest in. I mean, more and more Wall Street money, more and more private hedge fund money is coming in to where they're looking to buy as many rental properties as they can. Now, we, they may just be scratching the surface. You know, we're talking 5% of the market, but it is a challenge because they are, are ever inflicting that. In addition to the hot sales market, as you would agree, when the sales market is super hot, it's tough for our investors that we work with as property managers to help them buy more properties. Now, if they want to sell, duh, you can throw it on the market and boom, it's gone within you know a matter of minutes, days. But if that investor wants to turn around and buy two or three or 10 more properties, it's really tough to find them something and then add those to the inventory. So growth organically from the internal investors you work with has been challenging. Do you see the, with the rising prices and inflation, do you see that we may have trouble with maintenance and having quality maintenance people to, to do the work and then seeing those costs rise? Is that a challenge or has that been a challenge already? No, it's going to be a huge <laughs> challenge going forward in the future. And it's simply, we've been seeing a, a, a lag of it the last 12 months, 18 months. You know, one of the biggest things we did transition wise from when COVID started to hit is if we end up losing a, a local employee, we did not replace them with a local employee. We look to remote team them. So we, we use a lot of remote team members. And you and I may talk about that later on, but that was one of the things that, that kind of alerted us like, okay, hey, this is the in-person, on the ground, local to your market workers are going to be very difficult and challenging to find. If you do find them, expect costs to go up. 
And so it's, it's obviously it's, it's, it's like a staircase. You got one, two, three, four things that are going to happen all in a row, because if, if labor suffered a fine, they're going to charge more for the jobs that they do. And then we're going to have to turn around and charge more for the maintenance. And it's just, it's obviously that's where inflation goes. And it's just been a huge challenge. I mean, just like my crying about the, the vans as we opened up. Well, <laughs> if there's, if there's no employees out there to try and hire, it's going to be a huge deal to try and grow. I mean, we have, we have technician challenges all the time, just servicing the company I mentioned. You know, we talked about managers Riki, and then, you know, we're going to, we're going to rebrand that's called manager service. Just finding the technicians to do those jobs has been difficult and they're, they're here for six months. They're, they're gone. I mean, it sounds bad, but anymore, I'm like reluctant to even meet just, some of the just fulfilling jobs with good quality people yeah. across the board is is being a is gonna is gonna continue to be a challenge. It may even get worse. Agreed. What are some of the biggest changes you have seen this past year? Now that COVID is maybe somewhat a little behind us, but what do you say? What do you seen the biggest changes of in this past year? And what do you feel are the biggest changes coming into our industry? That's a loaded question. I mean, the, one of the huge big changes that that COVID caused was more and more companies adopted the touchless leasing solution, meaning that they didn't show properties in person. They because more and more owners adopted it for like correct. They, were, they were okay with it. Right. And, and it's kind of like the property management companies would say, Oh, I can't do that. My owners will, will lynch me if I try to not show a property in person because, Oh my God, the refrigerator might go missing. And all of a sudden COVID hits and they're like, we're not, we're not going over to meet anybody and shake somebody's dirty hand and, you know, look at them from, you know, four feet instead of six feet for the recommended social distancing, right? They just wouldn't do it. So, and then they told the owners that they weren't going to do it. And the owners were like, okay, well, it makes sense because, you know, we're in the COVID world. We have all these restrictions, et cetera. Anyway, it kind of convinced property managers that the owners were going to accept it. And so more and more property managers adopted the full no-touch leasing system to where lockboxes, application online, lease agreement, electronic signatures, you move in via lockbox without anybody touching you or seeing you. And that turned out to be a great solution for the industry. Do you see a change perhaps coming where it's remote property management at some point? We're seeing more and more of that right now. Now, there's going to be a need for always to have somebody on the ground, business development, leadership etc. But yeah, I mean, you could see a lot more of that. And, you know, for example, we use a lot of remote team members. And how do we, how do we handle all of the on-site stuff? Well, we hire runners. Now you had a term for this in, in your market in Houston. What would you call it? Like a call them field <laughs> technicians. Yeah. Thank you. You called them a field technician. I think you had one or two levels of them. Yeah. We had a uh, property associates, field technicians, and then we have field technician one, two, and three. Right. You had several. So the point being, those are the guys that will go out and deliver a lockbox. They'll put up a sign. They'll do a walkthrough. They'll remove a lockbox. I mean, you name it, the runner type stuff, right? The errands that are full all the time in, in property management. As long as you have that and a home for those types of techs and those types of vehicles, you can run a lot of that remotely. We now, do it. The last time I was at your office, it was pre-COVID, your property managers were leaving the desk and going to the properties to review them. Has COVID changed that? Or do you, do you still have your property managers do windshield time and go to the, go to the properties? COVID changed that. We no longer have our main property managers go leave the office at all. So the, the manager's service that I mentioned with the vans, you know, I'm crying about the vans. Well, those are the folks, <laughs> those are the dudes that go out with the inspection software and they do the inspection, you know, air quote inspection. Don't, Sometimes you have to call it an assessment. assessment. You know? yeah, I guess yeah. in Texas, we have to call it an assessment. But yeah, I, so I whatever you want to call it, they go out and take pictures of the property. And so the technicians, the remote team members, and the main property manager, they review those from a distance. And then they have vendors go out locally. And if the vendors see something different, they communicate back and forth and figure out a solution. Okay, you know, so the vendors are your eyes too. You know, it's funny, Brad. When I started Empire back in 12, by 14... I was, uh, my property, my property manager didn't leave the desk. I was an early adopter on this. And I remember a lot of people telling me it can't work. It won't work. And I was, that was one thing I was early on everything else. I'm a laggard on and you're the early adopter on, but that was one thing that we ended up uh, trying to get right. And believe me, the, the, what looking at the report and deciphering the move in, move out, whatever inspection report you have to nail that down because if you can't nail it down, you're going to make lots of, there's lots of mistakes there. So your property associates 
or your maintenance guys, field technicians, whatever you want to call them, you got to train them up and they have to really, they have to understand how to look at the property like a property manager, not just like a maintenance coordinator. I'd or love to take that. I'd love to take that and go down a tangent real quick. So we're talking about opportunities or challenges or whatever in 2022 and beyond. Well, the no security deposit option is going to be more and more prevalent going forward because of that challenge you mentioned right there. Getting that outgoing security deposit correct has been very difficult. And it's going to be more difficult when you don't actually see the property in person, right? You're kind of looking at a report and you hope for an 80, 90% solution. So I think more and more companies are going to look towards a no security deposit solution because the apartment industry has been doing that. Have you noticed this? Have you heard of this? I, I know it's, I've, I've been feeling a groundswell of this, of support for this at NARPM. And normally when I look at a groundswell, I just look over to HAA, which is the Houston Apartment Association, and find out what they've been doing for the last six months or, or two years. So yeah, it, I've, I've seen, seen more and more of it. For those who don't know, can you, can you expand on it just a little bit on what that means? Yeah, essentially, there's a couple of different programs that, that can be out there. You could lease to somebody without a security deposit. You could potentially charge him for that service. You could charge him a monthly type of a fee. You could purchase any sort of third-party insurance. You could purchase a bond. There's all kinds of techniques to offset that. So at the end of that lease agreement, right, this is the big key point punchline, is you're going to bill that particular outgoing tenant kind of like a VRBO or a hotel. So if they do, they do a thousand bucks in damage, you bill them for a thousand bucks. And so it's, it's only going to, uh, you're going to only want to apply that to certain levels of credit, certain levels of income and certain homes. You know, you wouldn't do it to a $600 apartment, but you certainly think you could do it to a $6,000 home where whoever can afford that home is going to be saying, great. Okay. I've got 3000 bucks in damage. Boom. Here's a check. Thank you for letting me rent from you. Now it's never going to be a one size fits all on that. But the other part of that is some point the rent nation could take over and actually legislate that to become a mandate from certain states and or local municipalities from state and or local level. They could say no security deposits, you know? And so that could be a thing going forward. We could see that coming up. That would be interesting if we see that in the next, in the next few years. I remember, uh, what was it, two years or three years ago at Broker Owner, you actually were one of the first people you, you uh, gave a presentation on this and uh, was the first one of the first times I actually heard a concept. And so to, to see where I, I heard about it from you just a couple of years ago to now seeing people implement it and seeing it become kind of like almost like it's like a resident benefits package now. Right. Something that was only a couple of years ago was an idea. And now it's kind of like, major. wait, you're not doing a resident benefits. Wait, you're still taking security deposits. That's where we're going to get to this right at this point. And there's lots of good NARPM vendors that you need to talk with to really understand this program. Uh, there's Steady, there's Obligo, there's Surevestor. I mean, I'm probably forgetting two or three. Bear with me on that. There's there's a bunch new, of them out new there. new one is RIS, the resident. Yeah. yeah, those guys. That's right. So those, those vendors, just look for them at a conference here. NARPM broker owners coming up. Go find those folks at the conference, you know, pick their, their brain and say, how does this work? And how can I implement that at my business? So- Brad, let's go back onto these questions I have here for you, because I only have a limited time with you. So I'm going to try to get as much as I can. Let's try to squeeze so much juice out of you. What do you believe is the best way for companies to become profitable or to increase their profit margin if they already have some profit? Okay, this is not rocket surgery. All right. We raise revenue and we lower expenses. Okay, now let's, let's answer the real big how to do that. How do you raise revenue? Well, you may want to Figure out a few programs to implement. Charge a few new fees. We just talked uh, about right? a couple. Resident benefit. Yeah, like exactly. You, you, have, you have owners you can potentially work on some fee programs with. You have tenants that you can potentially work on some fee programs with. There's, there's lots of vendors out there that will sell you 100 different ideas. Implement two or three of them at a time. And so you got to raise your revenue. Then you got to look to lower expenses. And lowering expenses for us, that's been a real big, easy solution. We've used a lot more remote team members. And so it, the math is simple, gang. I got one person on the ground here in San Antonio for 60 grand a year, 75 grand a year, whatever it is. I can get four people remotely for that amount per year. And so the level of service you can provide with four people versus one, you do the math in your own head. That's a huge savings. So from 20 to 21, what we saved in our expenses for the uh, staffing was about a quarter million. Oh, can you say that again? Yeah, I may have to. Because we made a, we made a huge transition in 20 to 21 
with the COVID hit and we just hired less people on the ground locally, San Antonio wise, hired more remote team members, created some new processes, created a pod type system time two, and then we lowered our expenses for the staffing about a quarter million, $250,000. That went straight to the profit. So, so that's, that's the one thing I really want to hammer home. When you save a dollar, you save a dollar. So in this case, when you save a dollar, you make a dollar. When you right. increase your revenue by a dollar, you're making 20, 20 cents, depending on what profit margin you're on, 20, 25 cents, let's just say. So to say that you save $250,000, the bottom line at RentWorks just increased by $250,000. That's right. Dollar for dollar. Correct. Dollar for dollar. The, the number one way, you know, if you can cut expenses, gang, that is the number one way that you can, quote unquote, make money because it's a dollar for dollar, not 20 cents out of a dollar. Because, you know, a lot of us are so worried about growth. I got to get more doors. I need to get more doors, right? And that's great. Get more doors to bring in more revenue. And revenue, as uh, Todd O talks about a lot in his podcast, uh, revenue solves lots of problems, lots of challenges. And it does. Income but, is king. <clears throat> income is king. But profit is, pro I guess income would be, might be queen after profit, depending on how big <laughs> it is, right? So, uh, so yeah, so guys, increase your revenue, but also decrease expenses. And a lot of people are doing it by, you know, maybe, maybe going to, to, uh, to remote team members. Another way is to reduce, reduce your footprint. If you, have a, if you have a big office, right? Less and less people come to the office, you can reduce your, your footprint. I know at Empire, in our, our P&L, number one expense, salary. Number two expense was, uh, was office space. Similar with you guys, how works? Oh, yeah. It's, it's painful what we pay for our office space right now. And we don't use half of it. And uh, we've been in there for five years. And so we're going to be building a commercial office space and then moving in sometime in 2023. So that's been, you know, that's, that's the major leagues, right? Some of the, the big players in this market, everybody would know them if I started dropping names. Well, they all own their own offices. And I'm still a junior, you know, junior leaguer on that one, little leaguer. So I'm hoping to step up and become one of those major leaguers by owning your own office. Gang, it's real simple. You want the, the business to pay for the asset. And in 20 years for fun, that thing will be paid off by the business with normal routine, you know, procedures. I mean, if you're going to rent or you're going to buy, you're going to be better off buying, in my opinion, long-term. And it's funny, as property managers, we tell all of our investor clients, you're better off, you know, buying and then having somebody else rent. And then we don't like, I rented at Empire. We had, we had a lease for five, seven years, whatever it was. And so sometimes we don't take our own advice, right? Yeah, so we rent, we, we've rented for 10 years now. It's like, I, it makes me sick to think of the, the amount of expense that we have thrown away in renting, but you know, you got to get the business to where it's stable enough to get the type of clout you need to build and or purchase something. Right. So it's, it's, you know, it takes a little bit of time to build up. It's not an overnight venture. Yeah. So what do you think of all this venture capital money coming into the industry? We talked about this in the green room. I said one word validation. And when I, when I say that, it validates that this industry is doing really well. It validates that people are, are wanting single family rental homes and that they need good property management, which is the, the big part of that equation to make it work. So Wall Street's taking a look at this and say, you know what? Property management is one of the center hubs of this population expansion into some of these states where the rental market is just exploding nothing stays vacant for more than a few weeks. So we got to get into this game. And so you start seeing hedge fund money, you start seeing venture capital coming towards the property management industry in the form of either management companies and or buy buyers. So what will you say to somebody, maybe they manage 200 doors and they say, Brad, the sky's falling, the venture capitalists are coming. We're all going to be out of business. I would say, I would laugh at them. Because no, the sky is not falling. No, these venture capitalists are not going to be putting us out of business. You are, I've, I've used this term a long, a long time. We have insulation by decentralization. So what that means is we're, we have fragmentation, insulation by fragmentation, excuse me. We're such fragmented markets because of the service industry base that we have, that it's really something that no big giant hedge fund can come in and replace. So I, we were at the IMN conference just in Austin this last summer. I think you were there for a little bit and some big hedge fund clown gets up on main stage and, and he says that 200 unit management company, when they are want to sell, they're going to come to us because we're the big, big player in town. And I laughed out loud 
and, I, and people were looking at me like, what, what's wrong with this guy? And because that was the, that was the dumbest statement I've seen or heard, because when that 200 unit wants to exit the business, they're going to go to the 200 unit next to them, nudge them in the shoulder and say, hey, you want to buy me? That's how it's going to work in reality 90% of the time. Well, remember what he said. He said when they get so frustrated that they want to sell. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't know too many people that once they get their business going, that they're they're that frustrated that they need to get out of the business. I mean, there's some, there's a percentage of it, but yeah. not, not most of the people I rub elbows with. No, we see a lot of them that just want to exit. They're not exiting because of their, they're frustrated. They're exiting because they want to go do something else. You know, there was, we just acquired a small little company in New Braunfels. It was only 37 units, 38 units. And it was an asset takeover type situation. And the owners of that business were just, they were in their seventies and they wanted to exit and have a, have a good partner that come in and take over and they could, you know, walk us through it. So it wasn't like they were frustrated. They just, it was time. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. So, okay. So you're not too scared of the, of the VCs, which I'm sure hopefully will put some of the folks uh, that listen to this a uh, li little bit easier to go to bed tonight. You know, it, it encourage, it should encourage people. If venture capital is looking at our industry as a way to put money into it and make money out of it, then that's a great thing for us. At some point, you got to figure that's going to raise the level of our industry because where I'm most concerned is, is legislation. I'm most concerned with something that changes the industry in real estate to push 10 billion realtors all of a sudden that wants to do property management. That's I, I, heard, I heard you on your podcast just recently, and you were talking about that of, of all these agents moving into the industry that are not taking it at, they're not professional property managers, right? Whereas at least these VCs, they're going to bring on, you know, they're, they're going to run like a professional property management. Will they make mistakes? Absolutely. They're going to make mistakes, but they're not going to run it like, like a single realtor that, you know, doesn't know what to do and, and doesn't care to learn. They're just going to, they just have to collect rent. As you said, you know, my biggest competition here in the San Antonio market, like very others, a lot of others, it's not Brian Birdie, it's not Kevin Knight, it's not the Hendricks over there, it's not any of the big players in the San Antonio market, it's the single Joe Schmo realtor working for Joe Schmo real estate company that does leasing. That is what absolutely kills us because they're not doing property management, they're just putting a lease together for an owner and they're consummating this, this document that could survive a century and putting a tenant into a home with an owner paying for that. And that's, that's our competition, right? Cause these owners think they can self-manage and, you know, sometimes in certain markets, it is easy to self-manage if they can find the right tenant. Right. So Brad, one of the many things I'm jealous about you other than your height and your hairline is that you are an early adopter and an instantaneous implementer. There's like legends of Brad Larson. Like he learned something like in the afternoon, it's implemented like overnight somehow. So can you give our listeners a high level version of your process from which idea, like when you go to a conference, you get a whole bunch of ideas, which idea you decide to implement, how do you get the team on board? Cause that's one of the biggest objections that, that the company owner has and then finding a time and executing. So there's, you know, we talk about the quadrant method a lot. You know, I've, I've presented that on stage before and you take your, your highest profitability one that you can find the one that's going to make you the most money. That's the easiest to implement right? And start with that. And then you just kind of prioritize from there, how you get your team on board. It takes a little bit of spine. It takes a little bit of forceful effort. Hey team, what do you think of this idea? Or Hey team, this is what I think we're going to, to do right now. This is something that's going to take place this week, this month, and here's our priority list. So how you present it and how your, your attitude is, is going to really make or save, make or lose the day there. But I, what I'm saying, what I'm trying to get at is imagine presenting an idea to a staff and the staff, because they hate change, naturally they're going to put up roadblocks. If the principal of the business, the owner of the business says, Hey gang, we're doing this, right? And this is how it's going to work. And this is how we're going to get it done. And this is how we're going to implement it. And it's, there's no debate. And so that's what the business owner has to do. I mean, you know, I was an army infantry officer in a prior life. You don't walk up to a unit and say, Hey guys, you know, I'm thinking maybe we should take that hill over there. And <laughs> we're just going to, we're just going to, you know, walk up the hill a little bit, see if anybody shoots at us. And then we'll, we'll kind of go from there. No, we're taking this effing hill right now. Let's go follow me. And that's how it's got to be a little bit, you know, within reason. Seem, but it sounds like you see, you have a clear, direct plan 
And so they don't have to think through it. It's like, we're going to do this and here's how. Is that correct? Okay. That's right. That's right. That's going to help in the presentation of this. And at the end of the day, you know, the business owner has to make that decision. They have to weigh those options. There's a different mindset between the business owner and a lot of employees. The employees like the warm blanket of continuity wrapped around them and they have their system procedures and processes in place. And sometimes they don't like to change because also you got to remember you're going to have some fallout. So if you put a new system into place, a new fee, a new program, you're going to have 5% of the tenants or 5% of the owners complain and make a stink about it. Okay. Right, which but makes your, which makes your team's job more stressful and more different. Right. And so I tell this to people all the time, you're going to spend a dollar, AKA lose a dollar to make 10. Would you do that? Would you spend $10,000 to make a hundred thousand dollars? Right. That's real math. That's absolutely real math. And some of these programs that are going to go into place in your new system. Yeah. I remember I got an idea from you actually, and that I implemented my team was against it. No one wanted to do it. It was the technology fees, the annual fee. And I ended up having one owner leave us because of it. I had four or five that I just credited them that first year, but that, that technology fee put, I think about 15,000 in my pocket per year. Yeah, one great, great, great story on that because the, we call it the tax compliance fee. We pay, we, we charge it out every January XX. You put the numbers in there as you want. And so that's a one-time fee. And so when we implemented that seven, eight years ago, same type of deal, there was this one clown of an owner. We managed one of his properties. I remember his email. It was like, I have eight cats or something like that. And the guy filed a Trek complaint. He fired us. You know, he made a big stink about it. And it was a 20, it was a small fee, small right? X fee. Small XX fee. And he made that big a stink of it. But that was the only one. Yep. And oh, by the way, to, to justify this, we just got an audit, you know, about 60 days ago for those taxpayer identification numbers. You get the nasty gram 1096 from the IRS that says you have 80 some tins or eight tins, whatever that are not aligning to the owners. And so they're fining you $16,000. That's real stuff going on with us right now. What? So we, ha we have to file a, an appeal to the IRS. We have to go through the CPA. We have to pay the CPA's fees. All of that is because the taxpayer identification number that your owner gives you doesn't Not match the job. system in the IRS. Right. No matter what you we do. Didn't do no matter, we didn't do anything wrong. We, we don't didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. We verified the TINs in our system. But the point of that is, guess who has to pay for that expense? That's not the owners. It's us, the business owner. You need to charge an offsetting fee for that. Yeah. Excellent. So that's an example of something that actually worked. Uh, give us an example of something you implemented, but it just didn't work. And maybe you reverted back or, you know, just, you just kind of let it kind of die out there in the wind. Yeah. A lot of things sometimes just don't pan out. So for example, pricing models, we've gone several different pricing models up and down, and we're trying to find the sweet spot. I'm a firm believer in the flat fee pricing. And we can argue all day long about flat fee, percentage, whatever. At the end of the day, it's all about the same. It's kind of like arguing about hybrid or part departmental or you know, all these other different methods of doing things. They all seem to work. They all it's seem to work, work right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so we've rolled some of those back. And of course, you look at it and you kick yourself and say, why did I do that? You know, that was kind of dumb. But you got to try things. You know, go 90 miles per hour. If something doesn't work, you can scale it back. I like that. That's a great, that's a great lesson right there, right? You try, look, you don't know if it's going to work or not until you do it. Mm -hmm. And if you do, and it doesn't work. All right. So what's the, what's the foul, right? The, the, the harm is it's a little bit of time, right? A little bit of effort. What so, I think people will discover was when they decide to do something different in their business, and let's say it's a small fee, like what we talked about with the, the IRS compliance fee, the technology fee, whatever you call it. That's a good example that a lot of us use, you know, myself, Scott Brady, Todd Orchard, a couple others where, you know, try that and kind of go from there. When you realize that you can do that and you're not going to be lynched, that'll give you a little bit of spine to go ahead with other things, with other ideas, with bigger type items that will pay off a little bit more for you. So I got, a, I got a kind of a funny story. So when I first started Empire, I called us like, we were like the crazy eddies of, of, of property management. Our website was terrible and we were literally charging like $50 a month. I mean, it was like crazy. Like we were charging like nothing. Right. And so finally we realized like, you know, I, we can't survive on, on just this alone. So we increased it, Brad, to like $75 a month. I mean, 
crazy. I had a guy call me up and start lighting me up because it was a 50% increase. I'm like, it's $25, man. But look, we did it. I got lynched on the one guy. Everybody else said no problem. You know what I mean? So, you know, when you think about increasing your prices, you know, don't worry about the, 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 the 5% or the 1%. Worry about the 90% that's going to basically just let you, you know, that or just understand why you have to do it. Right. And, and just make the change uh, whenever you need. All right, Brad, on one of my podcasts, I ranted that I believe in first come first serve for applications. And then you put me on blast on your on your PM mastermind. And then you gave me a little wink and a little emoji to make it feel all that better. So <laughs> so tell right, me I punched you in the face and patted you on the back at the same time. Exactly. <laughs> all right, man. So you got the soapbox. Tell everybody why I'm wrong. Well, you're not wrong. I'm not wrong. You're not right. I'm not right. So let's start with that. So it's really a matter of how you do things. Now, the only place that you were wrong, Pete, and this is where my soapbox is, is, I mean, to say the other side is doing something inaccurate, inefficient, you know, whatever term you want to throw at it, you can't throw spitballs at the other side. Okay. So I wouldn't do that to any sort of property management company that says they want to take the first applicant. So let's back up a bit. So the debate is you take the first applicant in the door that meets your screening criteria, or do you take the best qualified applicant, right? And so there is no right or wrong answer to that. But what you have to do is follow that procedure to the letter and put it out to the tenants in the very, very, very beginning with your screening criteria and your application process. Okay. If you do it consistently across the board and you follow what's in writing, you're not going to go into harm's way. So you like the, the first qualified, first in the door. So you set your screening criteria. You gotta be between X and X for credit. You gotta have this much minimum of an income. You have all these different things that, that go to it. The first one in the door that meets that, you're in. Okay, send me your security deposit, you're in. Well, we take it a little bit different and some others may out there as well. So you have an application process, you put a home on the market for rent and you have a screening criteria and you might get three, four or five applicants at the same time within a 24 to 36 hour time frame, maybe even a weekend of 48 hour. So you want to look at those across the board and say, okay, this one, this one, this one's good. Oh, this one's the best one because they're make a ton of money. They have an 800 credit score. They have no pets. That's the one I want in the home that I own. And so we go with the best applicant there. Again, I want to say Bart Sturzel and I, we've gone round and round about this. You know, he didn't revert to name calling like you, but you know, <laughs> it, it, at least at least Bart and I had a professional conversation about this. Who was a past NARPM president, by the way. Yep. And at the end of the day, uh, a little more you know, polished than I, than, than I am. That's for all sure. good. Yeah, we like it. You're a New Yorker, right? You, you like to go out for coffee and talk. So <laughs> the other side of that is no one's right, no one's wrong, but follow the procedures. Now, to, to end this story, we were audited about three years ago for this process. We had a fair housing audit. We passed it with flying colors. The fair housing auditor came in because we were accused of, you know, discriminating and they looked at all of our procedures and said, nope, no file, no, no harm here. You guys are doing the right thing. So dismiss the case or whatever it is. And so, yeah, we've been audited and we've gone through it. Now, to, to, I will say on your side, you're much safer, okay? You're safer to go with the first qualified applicant that comes in the door right? You're, you're talking 55, 45%, you know, you're looking at a teeter totter. Right. So you're safer to do that. I will agree with you there. And I'll say, that's a good point. I'm willing to take that risk to get that best qualified tenant to create less headaches for ourselves and our owners down the road, future on. This is a, this is one of the easy ones to debate. We debate it all the time at, at NARPOM after a few drinks, it gets kind of crazy sometimes. So appreciate it, Brad. We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're gonna hit the lightning round. Did you know that most tenants struggle to come up with a large sum of money needed to move into their new rental home? Let Renters Insurance Solutions help you solve this problem by giving tenants another option for security deposits. Property managers can make up to $200 per door annually with our programs. Learn more at our website, yourris.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-S.com. Renters Insurance Solutions, your experts in property management and insurance. PestShare, a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program, starting at just $5 per door. You can give your residents the pest control coverage they need. PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations like bed bugs and cockroaches. 
end the debate over who pays for pest control, while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at pestshare.com forward slash property managers. Scaling your business means juggling many moving parts, leaving you wondering how to manage it all. How can you keep your eye on growth and streamline your operations? At RentBridge, we've created the Property Management Operating System, an ecosystem for property management marketing and process automation, where you can view and take action on the most important aspects of your operations, from sales and new owner onboarding to leasing, collections, renewals, and more. By bringing operations and marketing under one platform, you can have end-to-end -end visibility of your owners, tenants, and vendors from the first moment they interact with you, allowing you to add more doors with less effort and scale a truly profitable property management business. To learn more, visit rentbridgegroup.com today. All right, welcome back, everybody. Thank you. And now, Brad, are you ready for the lightning round? Well, I am strapped into my chair, so proceed. All right. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, basically one word or one sentence answers. We're going to go rapid fire. What PM software do you use? Redmine. What is your current organizational structure? A hybrid model with one big property manager. And she runs the show with 900 to going on a thousand units. We're, we're finishing up an acquisition with two sets of pods as remote team members. Wow. So let that sink in. We have one key person. That's Christina. We have Melanie, who's our CEO, who oversees the entire business. Mm -hmm. And then Christina oversees two teams of remote team members, kind of like a, I don't want to use kind of like the left team and the right team. That's a good way to say it. Yeah. Okay. Versus, team versus team team or B does each team have like departments inside of them? Correct. Correct. Yeah. You have owner facing, tenant facing, maintenance facing, make ready facing. There's, there's basically all the customer service below them and they get it done. It's awesome. That right there could be a whole other podcast, but we're in the lightning round. So I'm going to move on. Do you use, well, we know this, but do you use virtual assistants? Absolutely. Um, do you have BDMs? One. And no, we have several. We have, a, we have a business development team because we use remote team members times one and a half. So we have two remote team members. One of them does a transaction coordinating, right? Which is awesome. Think of this. So we have a sales department. So one of them, Martin, does half transaction coordination and then the other half of business development. So we have one and a half. So I firmly believe in the business development manager on site to do that job. It's got to be full service, full time in that role. I would agree with you. And we use something very similar, which we had inside salespeople that basically did all the processing, kind of like your transaction coordinator for the salespeople. Let the salespeople sell. Don't worry about the paperwork and the details and them crossing T's and dotting I's because they are horrible at it. Let him sell. What is one piece of advice you would give someone just starting out in the PM business? Get involved with NARPM and adopt the NARPM accounting standards. Excellent. Other than the NARPM podcast or the Property Management Mastermind podcast, do you have a podcast you recommend? I like Built to Sell with John Warlow because you, you hear information about different industries that are out there. I, I kind of like that because they talk about building up a business and then the exit at the end. Now, I'm not telling everybody to exit, but if you start with that, as far as, hey, I want to build this company to sell in one month, one decade, one century, whatever that may be, you're much, much better off. So I think if everybody adopted the NARPM accounting standards, got involved with NARPM and decided to say, I'm going to sell my business in a year, you would see a world of change in your business. Yeah, he was at your uh, mastermind, the first one, wasn't he? That's right. I had him as a speaker at the first PMM con. And the one great takeaway I had was even if you're not looking to sell your business, build it like you're going to sell it. Regardless. That's a huge, huge takeaway. We were just talking about that. He's got several books that are out there that are gems to read because it does get you kind of in that mindset of, all right, I just need to build this to where if I had to make an exit in a month or a year or 10 years, it's already built and I don't have to worry about it. My old business coach used to say, the definition of a business is a profitable enterprise that grows and runs without you. Love it. Yeah. Love it. I put the grow in there. He said it runs without you, but I put the grow in there. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Absolutely not. Not a, not a million billion years. Whatever person started that should be dragged out and hung in public square. I mean, think of this. If your New Yorker friend saw you put pineapple on pizza, you know, what would they say to you? 
Oh, I'd get, what would you get punched and, and uh, pat on the back at the same time? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Just my, my buddy Vinny, which wouldn't have it like Joey bag of donuts. None of those guys would have pineapple on pizza. Like, they would say, Peter, Peter, what are you, what are you doing over here? You're killing me. Love you, New York accent. <laughs> <laughs> what book are you currently reading or what is one that has impacted your business or your life? And there's, I could go on a little bit of a rant here. So we all know bigger pockets, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the founders over there, Brandon Turner, who's good friends with your buddy Rosenberg, wrote a how to do property management book. And it's almost like he starts off with all property managers suck and they all do the, they, they don't do their job right. They're the worst things ever. But then here's how you create a property management company so you can suck at it worse. <laughs> and, he, and he has this whole entire book. And it's like, I listen to it and I just get, I just get mad the entire time because all that information there is not 100% accurate. It's not misinformation, but it's not correctly right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you on a little secret. Steve Rosenberg ghost wrote that book. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> Can't be. There's no way he would have let some of those things in there fly. I'm telling you. Just kidding. What Disney character do you most associate with? I'm going to uh, answer that for everybody. Grumpy. Okay. I'll take that. <laughs> You'll take that one. <laughs> What is one challenge you're currently facing in your business? Buying vans, which I already <laughs> mentioned. Okay. Honestly, we're getting ready to implement a new type of a design for pet fees because I think we're low in our market right now. Also, we're going to implement a, a screening type process that everyone's familiar with. I don't want to necessarily drop names on that, but more and more people in our market are using that. So we're getting ready to implement that right now. And that's going to you know, happen this week. What do you prefer dogs or cats? Dogs, 100%. I've got two German shorehead pointers, cats. Yeah, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> so Brad, if somebody wanted to contact you, they had some more questions for you, or if they want to join the Facebook group, give us some information. Yeah, they can join the group at the Facebook Property Management Mastermind group. And then we have uh, 10,600 members right now. It's, it's growing all the time. They can reach out to me at our website at rentworks.com. So if you're interested in like any of the programs that we you know, Pete and I have babbled about, go to rentworks.com. It's our website. It's a full disclosure type website. You can steal a hundred different ideas off that website. I don't mean steal. I've stolen all of those and then just, you know, rebranded them. So I would encourage people to do the same because again, it's a full disclosure type website. You can get lots of ideas off of that. And if you want to join NARPM, go to N-A-R-P-M, narpm.org or call 800-782-3452. And if you are looking for remote team members and you want to save all that money that Brad saved, you can go to go to vpmsolutions.com or you can reach out to me at Pete at vpmsolutions.com. Brad, thanks so much for being on here. I really enjoyed it. This has been a production of the National Association of Residential Property Managers, the recognized leader in property management, along with your host, Pete Newbig. CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. If you have a hot topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, please email us at radio at narpum.org. 